we are on air for Panther Racing's NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, tonight we are reviewing the races at Dover Motor Speedway. And uh, in our first half hour, we will do a review of the ARCA East race at Dover Motor Speedway on Friday. Uh, and then we'll also uh, review the Xfinity Series race that took place on Saturday out at Dover Motor Speedway. At 9 o'clock, we have our guest coming on board. It is Christian Rose with Cook Racing Technology. He raced at Dover Motor Speedway on uh, Friday and got a top 10 finish in the Arkham Menard Series East. Uh, we'll talk to him about that and some other things that he's going to be involved with this week. Uh, at uh, 9.15, we'll do our Cup Series race review from Dover Motor Speedway that finished up today after a rain delay, uh, and uh, Chase Elliott was the winner. So we will have NASCAR Hot Topic sound off tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, definitely looking forward to talking uh, about some hot topics tonight for a full hour and maybe a little longer as part of our bonus overtime material. Uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host for tonight, and I believe that is Jay Hughes. I'm sorry, that's going to be Sal Segala tonight is our co-host, and uh, definitely looking forward to having Sal Segala on the show with us here tonight. Uh, let me go ahead and get started uh, with the Arkham Menard series. Uh, they were racing at Dover this past weekend, and uh, Tara Gray uh, took the new Ford Mustang to a victory at Dover Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, he had a great finish, uh, led um, uh, about 55 laps, and that was enough to uh, get him uh, that victory for this season. Um and he brought an end to Sammy Smith's winning streak. Uh, and uh, uh, I guess uh, it took a new Ford Mustang to make that happen. Gray was at the wheel of the 17 Ford Mustang for David Gilliland Racing. He dominated most of the race. Uh, and it was his first East Series victory of his very young career. The race served as a debut for the new Ford Mustang body style in ARCA competition, and Gray used it to put on a clinic. He set the track record in qualifying during the poll and uh, led 115 laps on his way to the checkered flag. Uh, trying to keep an eye out for Sal here. Uh, Gray also, uh, it was actually his second victory in the ARCA Menard Series platform, uh, this season following his maiden Arkham and Art Series start earlier this year at Phoenix Raceway uh, when he won that race. So uh, it was a pretty good uh, race for uh, Taylor Gray. The other driver to lead laps on Friday was uh, the Arkham West champion, Jesse Love. He just took the lead briefly uh, following a restart on lap 30, but 10 laps later, uh, it, Gray was able to uh, chase him down and uh, retake the lead just before the first of two race breaks around lap 40. 
Uh, he led, uh, Gray led the rest of the race. Uh, Jesse Love ended up finishing second, 1.456 seconds behind Gray. Connor Jones finished third in his debut for Venturini Motorsports with the Arkham Menard Series points leader, Roger Caruth, following in fourth. Smith, who opened the East Series season uh, with victories at New Smyrna and Five Flags Speedway, uh, ended with a fifth-place finish. Um, Smith has a very narrow points lead now. Let me see if uh, he is here. Sal is here. Uh, and Sal, we went through the top five finishers there in the Arkham Menard Series race. Uh, it was Jake Bench, Jonathan Schaefer, Leland Honeyman, Don, Daniel Escado, and Christian Rose rocking out the top ten drivers. Uh, your thoughts about that top ten in Arkham Menard's East at Dover? Yeah, it was a good race. I I'm sorry I missed it, but um, you know I I caught the, some of the highlights from it, and um, gosh, you know you you kind of feel bad for um, for Jesse Love, you know, but then um, yeah. man, those uh those uh gray boys are sure on a they're sure on a roll, you know, when it comes to winning. Yeah, they're doing. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean David Gillen has really given them some good some good equipment. You know, to racing now. You know, so I mean, you know, so they're really out there, um, you know, making a making a statement and making a name for themselves. They really are. Uh, you know, uh, Jesse. I'm sorry, Taylor Gray is now two points behind Sammy Smith in the series points lead. So that is really tightening up uh, for the league here in the East. Yeah, it's 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 um it's it's really uh you know it's um it was good to see you know a, a lot of different you know drivers in there you know like you know like you mentioned you know Jake you know Jake Finch was one of them you know um mm-hmm. he he was out here he he did uh he raced out here in the um, All Star Showdown at the beginning of the season you know so it was nice to see him you know get behind the wheel you know come out here on the on the West Coast you know and then of course. Most of his racing is out there on the East Coast. Right, right. Uh, and Christian Rose, our guest, had a really good finish. He's now fourth in the series point standings as well. Uh, so he had a top ten finish out at Dover this weekend, which was a good run. Yeah, that 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 team that he's racing with is a really good team. That was the team that um, – uh, Oh man, that um, uh, Landon Lewis race for out here at out here at um, out here at Kern when he won Cook the um, the yeah. Arco the Arco West, yeah, Cook Brother Cook Cook Brothers Technologies when he went out here a, a couple weeks ago out here at, um, on the on the West Coast. So, um, you know, they give they give him some really good equipment. They really have, and and it's really great. Do you want to cover the uh, series point standings? Yeah, let me get let me uh I just had right Yeah, so the series point stand is um uh Sammy Smith is uh still lead the points like you said, you know, uh um and then let me see where I'm at here. Oh here we go. Gosh, I look at the same thing. Taylor Gray, uh in second, Leyland uh Honeyman third, Christian Rosen fourth. Stephanie Moyer fifth, 
that rounds out the top five, and then from there, then we go to um, Brad Smith at six, Daniel Escado at seventh, Willie Mullins eighth, Donald. Gosh, teaching are getting harder. Huh? Teachy is in ninth, and then huh? Teachy. Okay. Whatever. What? What? Sharon said, and then tenth is Jake Finch. They're getting harder and harder to uh, to uh, to pronounce. Yes, I know. Um, Daniel, it, it was re- it's really good to see uh, some international names in that top ten uh, with Daniel Escado from Mexico and uh, Daniel Fiki, uh from uh, Canada. So uh, I really like that we have some international drivers. Uh, racing in the Arkansas Yes, it's um, it's 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 uh. Let me see. I'm trying to see, we got uh, gosh, only six drivers that have competed all three races so far this season. So um, hopefully, you know, as they yeah. go, like they they go to track to track, you know, they, you know, they'll, you know, a driver will jump in here and there, you know, to you know, kind of kind of help fill out the um. The um, you know the the start you know for the, you know for the start of each race. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 17 drivers in the race this weekend. Uh, from uh, the points position, drivers uh, from position seven through ten uh, actually only have two races into the books. Uh, but you're right; those top six drivers all have three races in the books. And uh, that's really a, a good thing. Um, the the Arkham Menard Series, uh, uh, the next race for the Arkham Menard Series East is uh, coming up this weekend. Um, first of all, I want to say there's a replay of Friday's General Tire 125 at Dover on USA Network this Friday, May 6th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. That's noon. Uh, check your local listings just to make sure it's the same right time for your area. Uh, but the Arkhamenard Series East is going to be back in action on May 7th when the series visits Tennessee's Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. So that's going to be a fun race uh, for the Arkhamenard Series East. Yes, it will. That Nashville always puts on a good race, you know, whether it be for the East Series, you know, or else the regular. Um, or else for their, you know, just for their regular program. And I'm sure, just like we've seen with this, there'll be a lot of, I'm sure there'll be a lot of drivers that will be, um, they'll be partaking in that race, especially especially some of the locals that are racing for the championship there at the track. Yes, indeed. It's the Music City 200. It should start at 8.30 p.m. local time. That's 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it, there will be live streaming of the race via Racing. Now, the Arkham Menard Series is not racing this weekend, but they will be racing next weekend, the following weekend, on May 14th, the Dutch Boy 150 at Kansas Speedway, uh, and uh, that will be televised on Fox Sports 1, the Dutch Boy 150. Uh, the Arkham West doesn't race again until June 4th, and these next shoots. Sioux Chief Showdown race is on June the 11th. 
So but there are a couple of uh, ARCA East and ARCA Menard Series races coming up here in May over the next two weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure everybody's looking forward to the, you know, especially, you know, the, the drivers, you know, to get back behind the wheel, you know, and get the um, – Get back behind the wheel, you know, for the next for the next few races that are coming up. Yes, um, that is true. Um, so it, it is going to be uh, fun to watch those races, um, and uh, I can't wait uh, to see that happen. Now, Jesse Love uh, actually was the best of the Venturini Motorsports cars uh, on Friday. Uh, so it was a good run for Jesse Love, and he was one of the only other drivers to lead that race. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, you know, he's, you know, coming from the West, you know, and he's been doing a lot of racing and, uh, you know, um, you know, for him not to get that win. I know, I know he was, <laughs> I know he had, he had to be really super bummed out about it. Yeah, everybody wants to win, and I get that. Uh, but uh, uh, it really is, uh, you know, something that uh, you just uh, have to <laughs> acknowledge. Uh, it just wasn't in the cards for that day. But uh, second place is certainly nothing to sneeze at. Uh, he had a really good run, I thought. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, Xfinity Series because they raced on Saturday. Uh, the uh, A-game 200 uh, took place on Saturday in the Arkhamenard, I'm sorry, in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And the winner was Josh Berry at the age of 31, driving the number eight tire pro Chevrolet. Uh, for Junior Motorsports. His crew chief for the race was Mike Bumgarner, and uh, it was the 41st Game 200. It was his third victory in 39 Xfinity Series races, his first victory in fifth top 10 finish this season. It was also his first victory and second top 10 finish in two races at Dover Motor Speedway. Justin Algauer finished second, posting his 15th top 10 finish in 22 races at Dover, and his fifth top 10 finish this season. Ty Gibbs in third posted his second top 10 finish in two races at Dover, and Sheldon Creed, who finished eighth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, It was an exciting race. Uh, He answered a runner-up finish from last year at Dover, uh, when Josh Berry took the victory Saturday in the A-Game 200. Uh, and uh, he held off his junior motorsports teammate, Justin Algauer, by .604 seconds. Uh, getting the lead while battling in lap traffic, Josh Berry went on to lead the last 55 laps of Saturday's race and right to his victory. It was, again, it was his first victory of the season and third of his career. Uh, we talked about second and third place with uh, Justin Algauer and Ty Gibbs. Noah Gregson finished in fourth place. He was uh, the Dash for Cash bonus winner. Uh, the number one is Sam Mayer rounds out the top five. It's the second time in series history that one team has put four cars inside the top five. A.J. Almondinger finished sixth, while the pole sitter Brandon Jones placed seventh. 
Sheldon Creed, as we mentioned, Benny States, Riley Erbst in ninth, and Ryan Sieg round out the top ten. Mayer won the opening stage, but his left rear tire fell off his car following his pit stop at the end of the stage. Al Gower picked up his second stage victory of the season for the second stage, and there were seven lead changes among five drivers and five cautions for 36 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 104.091 miles per hour. Your thoughts about that top 10 in the Arkham Arts, I'm sorry, in Xfinity Series. Yeah, it was a good race. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, Josh Berry, you know, to get the win, you know, over Justin Algeyer and Ty Gibbs, you know, was a, you know, was a was a hard fought battle there. You know, and um, you know, to see you know Junior Motorsports, you know, continue to you know rack up the wins this season. Um, you know, I'm sure you know it made it made Junior happy. You know, to see his you know his guys you know up there you know, you know up there leading and um. Battling, you know, then Noah Gregson picking up the uh, picking up the, um, the the bonus money after um, AJ Allmendinger picked up the last the last two. That's um, right. Uh, um, that's for cash. Ty Gibbs, the only driver to break up that Junior Motorsports uh, top four drivers in the top five. Yes, he's um he's still looking. Gosh, man, the kid looks really good. You know um. Uh, you know, um, but like you said, you know, the, the junior motorsports team, you know, is starting to, you know, starting to come around and starting to, you know, pick up, you know, pick up wins, pick up, um, stage points and, and, you know, most of all, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, seem like they're firing on all four cylinders. It certainly does. And, and they, they've been very, very strong. Uh, this season and continue to beat. Uh, I think they're going to continue uh, right on through the season. Uh, this was a 200-mile lap, at 200 miles for 200-lap race, and the one-mile concrete that we know tears up tires. Uh, and these guys were impressive. Uh, and, you know, all of the top five were very impressive uh, with their results because they took care of their cars, and they were there when it counted at the end of this race. Yeah, and it was and it was good to see uh, to see uh, Sheldon Creed, you know, you know, grab a you know grab a top ten. Yes. And, and, you know, he's you know he's been having he's been having his his issues. You know, I don't I don't know if he if he's just having trouble. You know, um, uh, you know, getting acclimated getting um, acclimated, you know, to the, to the car, you know, from, you know, coming from the truck series, but I'm, um, you know, to see him get that top 10, him and also uh, Riley Herbst, you know, who finished ninth, you know, he continues to look, mm-hmm. you know, good for um, Stuart Haas racing. Now, a few drivers had some mechanical issues. Roger Caruth in the number 44 had a suspension problem. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, he was my pick for this race. Uh, he had some brake issues taking him out of the race. And Bailey Curry uh, in the number four had an engine issue. So those three drivers were not able to finish uh, the race uh, due to those mechanical issues. So uh, that's going to be uh, a mulligan for those three drivers. Yeah, it's going to be – it's 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 a 
it's a tough track, you know, it's not an easy track to race. You know, um, you know, when you know when they come to Dover and you know, and uh you know, a lot of things happen and you know, um you know, a lot of tight racing and and uh, you know, especially with the limited, you know, practices they're given, you know, a lot of these, you know, these drivers, you know, they're not used to it, you know, and um but I mean it's it's like that, it's the same across the board, so it's just a matter of getting they're trying to hit on the setup when they first unload and hope, you know, that you can, with that one practice and qualifying, you know, that you, 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 you know, you can hit on something, you know, to get yourself ready, you know, for the, for, for the, the race. race. Yep. Let's go ahead and hit the uh, points reports for the uh, Xfinity Series kit. So, 12 drivers okay. making their way to the playoffs the this season. Yeah. So the driver points are um, AJ Allmendinger is uh, is uh, leading the points still. Uh, second is Ty Ty Gibbs. Third is third. Actually, second is Noel Gregson and Ty Gibbs. Right now they're tied, and they both have race wins. But um, Ty Gibbs would be the he'd be the, um, the 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 tiebreaker since he has three wins and Noel has two wins. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Berry with his win is in fourth. Brandon Jones also has a win is in fifth. And then you got Justin Algar that rounds out the top six. And then from there, then we go to uh, seventh place is Sam Mayer. Eighth is Ryan C. Ninth is Riley Herbs. Austin Hill is tenth, and he's got a win, so he's already locked in. And eleventh is Landon Castle. And twelfth is Daniel Hemrick. So Daniel Hemrick rounds out the top 12 on the bubble, and right guy name is uh, Anthony Alfredo and Shelly Creed starting to make a move and starting to move up at the point standings. Yes, indeed. Uh, everybody wants to be in those playoffs. Uh, so those drivers that are below the cut line right now uh, are anxious to get a victory this season. Uh, to push themselves up above that cut line. Uh, now, I believe in the Xfinity Series, you have to be in the top 20 in order to be eligible for the playoffs if you get a win. So uh, there's several drivers that would love to do that, uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, up next for the Xfinity Series, the next race for the Xfinity Series, uh, and you got to think about the drivers uh, and, you know, where their strengths are uh, in these races. Uh, the next race for them is at Darlington Raceway this weekend. Uh, the Mother's Day Throwback Weekend uh, will take place uh, on Saturday, May 7th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Jay and I will preview the race on Thursday night. Uh, but uh, there is going to be qualifying and practice session for these guys. Uh, but who, who do you think is going to rise to the occasion uh, to the occasion uh, at the Lady in Black this coming weekend? So uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I I think I I think Noah Grayson. He's you know he's kind of on a on a little bit of a roll here. You know he's you know I think he's going to carry the momentum into there. But then, um, you mm-hmm. know, you can't ever count out, you know, A.J. Allmendinger and, um, you know, and, uh, uh, gosh, I would, I would have to say 
and Austin Hill was having a good season, but I, I kind of think it, it's going to be a little bit more of a of an AJ Allmendinger, um, uh, Noah Gregson battle. I know everybody's speaking Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs, but um, I, I he's got he's got a lot of skill, he's got a lot of talent, but does he have the does he have the um, what do you say the patience? to race a track, you know, lap after lap after lap like Darlington, you know, which takes a lot of patience and, you know, it takes a lot of um, knowing the tracks. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, entry list. Chase Elliott is going to be racing the number 88 junior motorsports machine, at, so he might be one to watch. Tyler Reddick is going to be in the big machines racing uh, Chevrolet number 48. So uh, we've got some spoilers in here uh, for this race. So uh, uh, you're right. I think I think Grayson's up to, to competing against them, but he's going to have his hands full. AJ Allmendinger is going to be in the number uh, ten for uh, college racing. So uh, it, it's going to be a fun race to watch uh, without much doubt. Brett Moffat's going to be in oh, the yeah. motorsports number. Zero two. <laughs> yeah, definitely with Chase Elliott in there, you know he's gonna, you know, in that number eighty-eight. It's always, it's always, a, it's always a, a strong car, you know, driving, you know, for, for, um, for uh, junior motorsports. It, it definitely is, uh, and uh, uh, I think it's going to be uh, fun to see what these guys do. Ty Gibbs, of course, is in the race. J.J. Haley's going to be in the race. Um, trying to see David Starrs driving the 108 with SS Greenlight racing uh, with Jeff LaCourt. Um, so that's uh, Ryan Truex is going to be in the 18 for Joe Gibbs racing. So uh, there's going to be John Henry Nemechek back with some Sam Hunt racing in the number six. So it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, definitely it's going to be fun. <laughs> okay. Um, now, we've got our guest coming on board here in a few minutes. Uh, Christian Rose has been on with us before. He races with Cook Racing Technologies, and uh, he's uh, had a fairly good season. He got a top 10 finish out at Fox uh, Lake Speedway earlier this season. And then again, this weekend at Cover Motor Speedway, he had another top five finish in the general title 150. So uh, uh, he's fourth, as we mentioned, in the, in the uh, point standings uh, for the Arkham and Art Series East. Uh, his crew chief, by the way, is Bruce Cook. And his spotter is a familiar name, Spencer Davis. Uh, Spencer Davis also races in the Camping World Truck Series. He's also a modified driver, and he is Christian Rose's driving coach. I'd say he's doing a pretty good job this season. Um, uh, and Christian Rose, that was a debut for him at uh, Dover Motor Speedway this weekend. So uh, that's pretty cool that he was able to, to bring home a top 10 finish in his debut at that track. He will be competing at Fairground Speedway in Nashville 
this weekend, and then he'll also be racing when the Ackerman Art Series hits uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. So uh, that's going to be uh, pretty cool to see him on the track in the Ackerman Art Series as well. Oh yeah, he's 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 going to be getting. He's got his hands full coming up, you know. But he's with a good team, so uh, you know, I'm sure you know he's he's up, you know. Oh man, my back. You know, I'm sure he's he's up for the challenge, so it's going to be an exciting, uh, you know, time for him. You know, as as he continues, you know, you know, throughout the rest of the season. Absolutely, um, Christian is here now, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the queue, and we'll go ahead and get started. First of all, Christian, I want to say welcome back. We're always happy to catch up with you, and I know there's some great things happening for you in the next few days, and we'll talk about that. But first of all. I want to say congratulations on the top 10 finish out at Dover Motor Speedway this weekend. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, I mean, two top 10s in a row. I know they're not the way we want to do them, but uh, put us in the fourth in the points. And going forward, it gives us a shot to make a little noise in the East, uh, I think, going forward. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. And Dover is not that easy of a – I always think of it as more of a veteran uh, track uh, at Dover Motor Speedway, uh, and you're racing on concrete. Talk about that because uh, concrete is not something that you race on a lot. It's usually asphalt or dirt. Uh, so talk about racing on the concrete at Dover. Yeah, I would say the biggest difference I felt was as the tires were feeling those seams. If anybody's ever driven down a uh, interstate where you're crossing the concrete seams is what it feels like uh, at 130 miles an hour or whatever it is in the corners there. So uh, it has a lot of grip, and I under, underestimated um, how much grip you would have in that in, in the car. So um, it was probably better safety than sorry, but uh, we could have pushed the car a little harder. I'm a little frustrated about that, but I know it's my first time being there, and, and I learned a ton. So towards the end of the race, we were finally clicking some laps off that were where we need to be so uh we learned a lot but when we go back and uh miles is, is seriously a monster i can tell you that, that there's a reason it's a monster mile and I'm, <laughs> I, i've gained a lot of respect for that place this past weekend okay that's awesome uh, now uh, chris sent me some info and uh he mentions in there that your uh, crew chief of course is bruce cook uh but your uh father is Spencer Davis, who races in the truck series and some modified races. Uh, talk about uh, having him as your as your uh, mentor and coach. Yeah, Spencer's been Spencer's been huge. He, you know, he, he he you know we room together on the road and stuff, and um, he, he's somebody you can really lean on because he's been to all these tracks, he's competed, he's won races in a lot of series, and. Uh, he, he runs up front, so anytime you, you can talk to somebody or pick their brain on tracks that you've never been to, especially when they run well, it, it's a huge help. And he's also a huge help in, in keeping me level-headed and keeping me focused in the race car. So very lucky to have him. Uh, he's been incredible to help me this year. Um, there's been a lot of things he's taught me, and we're, we're continuing to build, build some stuff to go forward and continue to get better. Absolutely. Uh, now, I know that uh, – uh, Bruce Cook also, uh, and well, I'm going to let Sal talk about that. I'm going to, because I know he's, he's going to make some uh, connections there with Bruce Cook. Uh, but uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, tomorrow. Uh, before you were racing, 
you were a baseball player at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. And uh, they're going to have a big event tomorrow, Tuesday, the May 3rd, and you're going to be inducted into the Wall of Fame uh, for your success in uh, Division One baseball. Talk uh, about yeah, it's, what it's that been means a, to you. Yeah, it's an absolute honor. I, I never would have thought that would be something that came up, and it, it's it's pretty cool after Dover. I've got a lot of friends up here on the, on the shore still. And, and this is all familiar area anywhere from Princess Anne, Maryland, all the way up to Dover. There's been a lot of, a lot of memories, a lot of stuff. I've been able as a kid coming here, growing up, uh, the vacation and, um, having close friends on the shore now. So I'm still, I've stayed up here on the shore all weekend. It's been nice to get out, um, and do some hunting and fishing and, and stuff like that. But it's, we're looking forward to that. I mean, it's a true honor. I, I never, like I said, never a million years would have thought that to be the case. It's something, even a possibility. So uh, it means the world. I'm very excited to go there and talk to the students and tell my story about what we're doing now. And hopefully I can inspire uh, future students from the school to, to chase their dream. That's really what uh, the speech is going to be about tomorrow because I had a lot of good coaches uh, at that school. A lot of, I made some of my best friends there. Um, Coach West and, and Coach J.O., I mean, they, they were – huge and instrumental in making me the person having the mentality I do in a race car. So very thankful to the school and very thankful for having the opportunity. And, and this is pretty, pretty thankful. Cool. Yeah, that's got to be uh, quite an honor. Uh, now you're from Martinsville, West Virginia. And when you were playing college baseball, it was right across the street from Silver Motor Speedway. Uh, so, uh, how surreal was that for you to be racing there this weekend uh, just before this Hall of, Hall of uh, Fame induction? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we, we my last year, senior year, 2018, we had to sweep Dell State to uh, make the MEAC playoffs. And it was against one of our former coaches, so it was really cool to go up there. And, and uh, we did that. We, we swept them, and we got to, to get in the playoffs. So I remember um, Coach told me if I – or if we swept, that he would give us Sunday off, and I was able to go out the races in town that weekend, and I went right across the street that weekend and watched the the, the cup race over there on Sunday. So to be four years now removed of that and, and to be actually racing around that place, it was very, it was, it was cool to take it all in. Now now that it's all over, I've kind of taken a step back and really realized how cool that was. So um, a dream come true, really. Yeah, that is very cool. And and a lot of people don't know you've only been racing for three years. Uh, you haven't had the traditional path uh, that most racers have of starting from a young age and kind of grooming uh, for, for several years before you get to this level. And you're doing very well with just three races under your belt, or three years under your belt. Um, and another driver that started late was uh, Charlotte uh, driver, uh, William Byron, have you ever had a chance to maybe talk to him about his experience of uh, uh, moving no. up the ranks? No, I, I haven't got to talk to William personally. It's, you know, I, I use him as somebody I look at and, and how his success has come to him and everything. And uh, like you said, he started later in his career too. So there are some people like him and, and uh, Raja and some other people I look at that uh, started younger or later in their career, racing career. And um, I'm using that to, to show it can be done. We're, we're still learning. You know, there's there's times where we go perform really well. Like last year, we performed so well in the West Coast and Vegas and uh, Roseville. We, we had a legit chance to 
get a top three at Roseville and, and, you know, having my expectations there. And then we come and, and I got to settle back to reality sometimes knowing we're going to these places for the first time. And um, it's, it's just the athlete and the competitor in me that, you know, I want the results now, but um, I understand there's got to be work you got to put in. So yeah, you do try to, as a driver, study other drivers. And I was a huge fan growing up. So knowing William's story, and like I said, Raja and some other people in the sports that started later, it, it's something that can be done. And um, we're just going to continue to push forward and get better and, and just keep running all the laps. And, uh, we're, we're coming off a, you know, two top tens here. And like I said, it put us somewhere decent in the points. Now we're sitting for So, um, I think we can run with the O2 car at some of these places and if luck comes our way, hopefully we can run them down the points and, and, uh, you know, at least fight for third or fourth in the points of the season. Okay. That's fantastic. Okay. Sal Sigala is here. Uh, he's our co-host tonight and I know he has some questions for you, uh, Christian. So I'm going to pass the mic over to him. Hey, Christian. First of all, thanks for coming back on the show again. You know, it's, Sounds like you're really having a, a really interesting, but you know, a really fun season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 cool to go to a lot of these places. It's the first time restricted plate racing at Daytona. Uh, first time feeling the the speed and and the G's and everything you feel around a place like Dover. Um, obviously, we we would have wanted to run a little better. That's on me, and I, I'm going to continue to learn and, and get better at some of these places, but. When you look at some of the tracks we have on the schedule and some of these places, it's, it's all about learning this year and trying to run all the laps and, um, you know, try to put ourselves in the best position so we can learn. And um, it's been a very, very fun season, but it, it's also frustrating for me in, in some places because I feel like I could have performed better. And, and when we finish these races, I, I go back and, and we're always the fastest at the end of the races, which is, I, I guess, common for somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience where you're continuing to learn throughout the race. And, and every time we do, I wish we could restart the race because we always get better as, a, as the day goes. So, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an eventful season, but right now I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased with where we're sitting in the points. You know, and, and actually, you know, when you, when you talk about Cook Brothers Technologies, you know, the, the teams they put together, um, you know, you guys, you just had one of your teammates um, uh, last weekend, you know, pick up the win out here at um, Kern, uh, um, Landon Lewis, who's being coached by um, by Ron Hornaday Jr. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to see the team. Uh, it was very amped for him. I texted Bruce immediately. Uh, the next morning, I, I'd gone to sleep because it was a West Coast race. But I, I texted those guys, and it's cool to see them run well. Amber ran well out there as well um, in our other car. So uh, it, it's cool to see the team get the results they deserve. Uh, you know, Bruce has good stuff. He's got really, really competitive stuff. Um, he, he gives you a chance to go out there and, and perform at the top of your or the best of your ability. So uh, when you see a teammate win and everything, you know, it gets you confidence as driver knowing, you know, we should be able to back that up and do the same thing. So. I've got confidence going to Nashville. It's a place I've been in a super late model before. Um, it's one of the few, one of the only two places we're going to go this year that I've had experience at um, before in some sort of car. So uh, Nashville's a place that circle that we should run pretty well. You know, and, and, and any time a team like that can, can put together, you know, a stable of drivers, you know, especially young drivers, you know, uh, you know, yourself, you know, like you, you know, um, uh, you'd also mentioned Amber, you know, who, who who's also running as a, uh, um, as Landon's teammate, you know, and, and then to go out and get the results that you guys are gaining against some of the, the bigger teams, that's, you know, like out here on the West Coast, you, know, you got Bill, Bill McAlley Racing, uh, you know, you got Sunrise um, Sunrise Racing, and, you know, there's a couple other teams, you know, but and even on the East, you, you know, to, you know, to, to, uh, to get those results, it, it, um, 
it's not easy because these teams have been around for so long. Yeah, I mean, we that's the best part about racing for Bruce is, you know, he he does build race cars that can go compete with those guys. We proved it by winning out there last week. And then we also, when we were at Phoenix, we, we outran a lot of those bigger teams throughout the majority of the race. I just made a mistake in the race that kind of put us behind. So um, the cars got speed, and we were able to compete with those bigger teams. It's pretty cool to see a, a team like Bruce and everything those guys do with uh, four full-time employees able to show up to the racetrack and, uh, with everything going right that we can outrun or, or run right with this bigger team. So, um, uh, other than, uh, you know, the running the Arca East, is there any other, um, uh, super late model races, uh, that you have coming up? Uh, towards the back half of the season, I think we're going to try to run some late model stuff. We, we, we toyed around with the idea of doing some stuff in the summertime, but, uh, I know these bigger events, towards the end of the year are some things we have circled. Nothing official yet that I can announce or say, but there are, you know, towards the season after the NASCAR stuff kind of slows down, we're looking so we can stay in the seat and, and keep racing. Yeah, because actually, Nashville, you got the All-American 400 coming up uh, in October, which they run it the last weekend of October. And, uh, you know, I kind of figured, you know, that, uh, you know, with your experience out there, you know, that might be maybe something you might have circled on your on your calendar as a maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would love to go back to that. I don't think we have plans to run national this year and anything outside the Arca car, but I would love to at some point get back in the Super or something around, or a pro or anything around national. National's a lot of fun. It's high banked. It's worn out and allows the driver to really uh, be a driver. Uh, it's not one of these places that you're you're wide open to the floor or um, just lifting the throttle on and getting right back into it, but it's one of those places tires are going to wear out. You're going to be sliding around and it allows the allows the driver to really show what they can do, and that's that's a very cool kind of place. It's, no, there's not a lot of tracks like Nashville out there. You know, and then, of course, you know, everybody wants to – they all they all want to make it out the first weekend of December, you know, to the Snowball Derby. You got the Snowball Derby, and you got the Snowflake 100, which is uh, which is another pro-late model race. Yeah, that's something I have circled very high on my list at some point is to run the Flake and to run the Derby. Uh, it's really cool every year to go down and – I've never been to it personally, but to watch it on TV every year and, and you know, to see the uh, amount of late models that show up just for that race, let alone the talent that shows up the race there, is pretty pretty dang cool. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's I'll tell you, for any driver, any fan, I've always, even even to go as a fan, I always tell people, you know, if you get a chance to get out there, I think this year will probably be my eighth or ninth one that I, that I go out there and I photograph. And I, I know I look forward to it every year. I just look forward to the competition. I look forward to the drivers that go out there. I especially look forward, you know, to the newer drivers who've never been there before, you know, and just, you know, see them, you know, when they get out there for, you know, especially when they're getting ready to qualify, which is one of the biggest days out there other than the race itself. Yeah, honestly, in my opinion, it's the most intense qualifying session in the country. That's that's my opinion. Uh, to make the show and to see some of the guys that go home or, or even in the last chance race and, you know, you got cup guys and Xfinity guys and, and truck guys that are sometimes on the, the verge of not making the show on time. And it's crazy to think that a tenth of a second, a tenth of a second separates tenth of 30th on the qualifying board is pretty, is pretty insane. Yeah, it is. That went, that went bad. You know, I just want to um, just say uh, um, best of luck the rest of the season. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay. Now, before we go, um, I know that uh, West Virginia Tourism is a big marketing partner that you have on your cars this year, uh, but at Dover, you had a new uh, marketing partner with Freedom Fighter Outdoors. 
uh, and recognizing uh, a couple of veterans. You want to talk yeah, about absolutely. that? Absolutely. I, first of all, I, West Virginia and what they do to allow me to be on the racetrack and, and uh, Governor Justice and what he believes this can do for the economic development side of our state and uh, just having West Virginia uh, traveling down the interstate on the hauler or where we're racing each week, you know, it's, it means the world to have the opportunity, but it's also very cool to uh, have the West Virginia Tourism Department uh, shown on TV and all over the country. So it's very cool as a West Virginia to be able to represent my state on and off the racetrack and, and uh, going to the Freedom Fighters Outdoors, those guys, uh, it's incredible what those guys do. Our, our men and women overseas is something that means means a lot to me. All my friends are in the service. Uh, my granddad was a uh, World War II veteran, and um, it was very cool to have um, Mr. Coffee out there, who is a 10-year vet with the Marine Corps, um, hanging out at the racetrack. And anything we can do for those guys to, to give them a chance to get out to the racetrack and just have some fun, it's something we love to do, and it's something we're going to do going forward. So I partner with those guys, and, and you know, they, they had a blast. It's something they want to come back and do again, and it's it's really cool to be able to give back um, to that side. It's Like I said, something to me that's very important to me, and, and nobody can do what they do in this country without those boys and girls, I can tell you that. So pretty dang cool to have them out there. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, we really appreciate all of our veterans, uh, uh, past and present and future, uh, really, um, and all that they do to protect our freedoms. So, um, Christian, again, it's been great having you back on the show. Uh, we never have enough time, uh, we're, <laughs> so we'll have to look to see uh, where we can have you back on the show somewhere down the road here. But, uh, uh, really always enjoy uh, catching up with you, uh, and we always look for that number 42 uh, Cook Racing Technologies uh, vehicle out there on the track. Absolutely. But guys, thank you so much for having me. It means the world to be able to talk about what I, what would you would call a job. It's pretty cool to come on here and talk about it. So thank you guys so much, and, and I look forward to being back. Okay, Christian. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care, guys. All right, you too. All right, that is uh, Christian Rose. He's the driver of the number 42 again for Racing Technologies, uh, coming home with the top 10 finish this past weekend. And uh, a lot going on. You know, very successful with his baseball career. Uh, and just three years ago, uh, came into, uh, you know, learning about racing and becoming a race car driver. And I think he's doing a fantastic job. So. Oh yeah, he is. You know, it's, um, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, you know, in, in any time, like you said, you know, he can, you know, go from one sport you know to another, you know, and and find that balance, you know, and be and be successful at both of them. You know, it's it's always, uh, you know, it's always neat to see. Yeah, it definitely is. Okay, uh, we need to. Uh, now move on to our Cup Series uh, because the Cup Series um, uh, raced this weekend. And actually, they started on Sunday and finished on uh, Monday, the race uh, earlier today. And uh, that was an exciting race. Uh, it was the 53rd Annual Duramax Driving 400 presented by Relodyne. The race winner is Chase Elliott at the age of 26, driving the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet team owner Rick Hendrick, and his crew chief is Alan Gustafson. 
Uh, it was his 14th victory in 232 Cup Series races, his first and eighth top, first victory and eighth top team finish this season, and his second victory and ninth top team finish in 12 races at Dover. Wow, has it been that many already? Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished second. He posted his fourth top 10 finish in 19 races at Dover. And his second top 10 finish this season. Ross Chastain in third posted his first top 10 finish in eight races at Dover. And Harrison Burton uh, finishing 24th was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, um, uh, it was an exciting race. Chase Elliott. Uh, takes home his first win this season, uh, and he's right now the series points leader. He earned his first victory in Monday's weather-delayed uh, race. Uh, he led the final 53 laps of the 400-lap race, pulling away from Charles Jr. for a 2.577 second uh, gap uh, between first and second. Uh, the race was slowed 12 times for caution, uh, for a caution, including a red flag weather delay on Sunday uh, that moved the race just to uh, Monday. Uh, he won that race today, uh, and uh, Stenhouse again was second, followed by Chastain. Then it was Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, uh, the poll winner. Chris Busher, Kevin Harvick, and Eric Jones rounding out the 10. Elliott took the lead from Chastain with 52 laps left in the race. He pulled away from the field to win by more than two seconds. Uh, stage one was won by Denny Hamlin. Stage two by Ryan Blaney. There were 17 lead changes among 10 drivers, 13 cautions for 75 yellow flag laps and the average speed of the race was 104.507 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts about that race and the top 10 drivers, Jet so. Yeah, you know, it was good. Um, you know, I, I really thought this is going to be another race that Carl Busch is going to win, and then, you know, then I guess they talked about, you know, his pit stop strategy or something like that, you know, that cost him. But um, uh, Kyle Larson, you know, to finish – six where he did after he had that spin you know where he just barely well he missed mm-hmm. the wall you know and then they kept showing the jimmy johnson spin after that you know gosh i mean we we only need to see it once we only need to see it five six <laughs> times you know and and yeah. but then, uh, you know um ross chastain man, oh, gosh you know this team um you know man you somebody made i'm proud of that guy i think I, I, I've, I've seen a comment on social media today, and somebody said, Derek, comparing him to the Rams quarterback, you know, you put him, you know, with the good team, you know, and, and he shines. You know, they said the same thing yeah. with uh, Ross Chastain. You know, they give him a good car, you know, and he and he shines. I mean, he's just really, really been, a, you know, a, um, you know. A uh, force. A force, Yeah. And then you look at his owners, Pitbull, you know, a, a singer, you know, and, you know, and then you look at, you know, Danny Hamlin's team, you know, which is um, uh, Michael Jordan. And then you go to uh, Jesse Luigi in the Xfinity who has Emmett Smith, 
you know, an ex-Cowboys running back. And, I mean, Pitbull, it seemed like mm-hmm. the singer – the singer knows more about racing than the, than the two, uh, than the two, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, you know, a basketball star, you know, and a, you know, and a. Yeah, uh, I would, I would say a lot of a the credit, star. I believe, goes to Justin Marks, who is a former oh, yeah. race car driver. But they talked a lot yeah, on, on uh, Sunday yeah. about his uh, management style for the team. He's, and he was saying, uh, we don't have, like, T-shirts with just the number uh, one on there or just the number 99. It always has the number one and the number nine. Uh, that They work cohesively as a team. And, uh, you know, they all sit down together and talk about what's happening with each other's car and what they want to do to make it better. And uh, it's really paying off. I give a lot, a lot of the credit to Justin Marks. Yes, you know, and like you said, you know, he, I mean, he, he, he brings, he brings, a, he, he brings um, a lot of knowledge, you know, to the team, you know, and uh, and I'll tell you that that number one team, watch out, come the playoffs, you know, if they keep at this pace, you know, <laughs> even though you know you still, you know, you got HMS, you know, who. Now all their mm-hmm. uh, everyone on the team has a win, you know. Yep, they're uh, all in. But it, but you know, it looks like um, JGR is just having their issues. I mean, they they Danny Hamlin lost a tire, you know, um, mm-hmm. today. You know, which is going to cost his his team, you know, for um, you know four weeks without the crew chief and you know without the tire changer and uh, you know and um, Gosh, it just—I mean, of course, Christopher Bell. At you know, he's not nowhere to be seen this season. Um, uh, well, he's Mark Truex Jr. is having winning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing with Truex. You know, we're just not seeing you know the intensity mm-hmm. from Truex. But um, you know, uh, you know, you really gotta, you know, hats off to the HMS. You know, once again, you know, for grabbing that, you know, Chase Elliott, you know, grabbing that win for. Um, you know, for uh, finding it in the, in the in victory lane, Ricky Stenhouse finishing second. Gosh, that was a really good run by him. You know, mm-hmm. you really gotta, you know, you know, look at that. And then Alex Bowman just keeps nicking, nicking, nicking. You know, and just you know, trying to keep you know inside the top ten right there. Mm-hmm. A couple of drivers did have some brake issues. AJ Allmendinger and BJ McLeod. I still haven't figured out what DVP stands for, but uh, Cody Ware and Austin Cindric both have that designation. Uh, obviously, they had issues, and uh, they w- did not have the finishes they were hoping for. Uh, but before we run out of time, uh, Sal, I want to make sure we uh, cover the points report. Okay. So now the points are um, Chase Elliott leading the points still. Uh, Brian Blaney in second. William Byron in third. Kyle Busch in fourth. Alex Bowman fifth. Ross Chastain in sixth. Um, Martin Truex seventh. And Kyle Larson round out the top eight. Um, not much there. Uh, Chase Elliott, gosh, 50-point lead over Ryan, over Ryan Blaney, which is a lot of points. But um, still, William Byron is still leading the points, the playoff points with 13. 
And then from eighth, then we go to ninth, which is Joey Logano. Tenth is Christopher Bell. Eleventh, Eric Almarola. Twelfth is Kevin Harvick. Thirteenth is Chase Briscoe. Fourteenth is Eric Jones. Fifteenth is Austin Dillon. And rounding out the top 16 is uh, um, Tyler Reddick. And uh, only eight points over Daniel Suarez, who is, who is sitting in the 17th spot. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting because you've got Tyler uh, Reddick above the cut line, and there's Daniel Suarez, Austin Cinder, Chris Busher, and Kurt Busch, uh drivers all below that cut line. Uh, Denny Hamlin uh, keeps making his way up. He's at 23rd now, uh, so he's he's trying to move up the list. Brad Keselowski is 30th right now. He must be in the top 30th uh, in order to get into the playoffs uh, if he should come up with a win uh, this season. So uh, a lot going on on these points, and uh, only two drivers have two wins. Uh, so far this season, William Byron one and Ross Chastain the other one. So uh, really uh, good run for for both of those drivers. Oh yeah, it is. You know, to see um, Kevin Harvick, you know, kind of solidly, you know, inside the you know inside the top sixteen. But um, you know, there's still a lot of racing left to go. You know, it's you know see who's going to pick up the next win. You know, as far as you know, as far as the uh, drivers who, who don't have a win yet, um, you know, Martin Truex still down with Kyle Larson only has one. You know, we last year, you know, he was just he was just the dominant force in the series, and all of a sudden this year, you know, he's just uh, just like any other driver. You know, trying to get his wins. You know, and you know, stay in the. You know, he's already he, he's already locked into the playoffs. But I mean, even Joey Logano is still without a win, which is you know, which is something we're not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, really cool. Um, we didn't really get a chance to talk too much about short track racing uh, this weekend. Are you going to be at the racetrack this weekend, Sal? No, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm off until I get back from my vacation. Okay. So, uh, there's another young yeah. gray uh, that's preparing for their first start at Millbridge, uh, and that's Delaney Gray. She's a young lady uh, getting ready to start her career, so watch for that this weekend. Also, 14-year-old Evan Getz uh, wins the Leonard Evans 150 this past weekend in the Northwest Super Late Model event. So, uh, again, this is where you see a lot of the up-and-coming uh, racers that we'll be seeing in the Arkham and Art Series. And eventually, uh, some of these guys will move on to the NASCAR Cup Series. So, a, a lot of examples of that over at Racing America. Uh, Flow Sport Racing has the Arkham and Art Series East Race uh, from Dover. Uh, actually, it was also uh, on Flow Sport. And, again, that really re uh the delayed race broadcast is going to be on USA this Friday so uh definitely a lot to look forward to there so i appreciate all that you do uh and that uh you know you're you're um, uh able to be a part of our radio broadcast so thank you for all that you do 
And you know what? And a big hats off to you, Sharon. Not once did you call me Jay tonight. Oh, I really had to work hard at it. Thank you. So, so thank you for that. But anyways, we'll talk to everybody next week. You guys have fun on your on the rest of the radio show, and uh, have a safe week. Have a safe weekend, and we'll see everybody next Monday. Good night. All right. We'll look forward to talking to you then. All right. Uh, coming up is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, I don't see Jay here yet. I know he's planning to be here. So uh, hopefully he'll be on uh, shortly. Um, let me uh, just send a message to him uh, to see where he's at. So, um, anyway, uh, moving right along here, we've got a lot of hot topics uh, to discuss here tonight. And joining me for our hot topic sound off tonight will be Jay Huseman. Uh, Andy has to work tonight, as does Mike Orzel. I haven't heard from uh, Tommy or from uh, Owen. I was hoping maybe one of them would be able to be on our hot topics tonight, but I haven't heard from them. Uh, but, boy, we've got a lot of topics that have been posted on our on our uh, uh, team's page. So uh, looking forward to uh, having that here in just a few minutes. Uh, Jay is responding to me, so real quick I'm going to check and see uh, where he's at. Okay, so um, anyway, we're looking forward to, uh, okay, so um, anyway, we're still waiting for Jay, so I'm going to pull up and see if he's come on here yet, not yet. Uh, Okay, so... um, Again, I think he's misunderstanding me that we are on right now. (laughs) Okay, so, again, uh, looking forward to having Jay here so that we can talk about some hot topics. I'm going to run down the list real quick here and let you know what some of these hot topics are. Um, So... Uh, hopefully, we'll hear from him uh, very shortly here. Uh, some of our hot topics here tonight include uh, charter system could come into play this year or next year. There's an article by from Beyond the Flag, the overlooked rule that could put one cup team at risk. So we will uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, there's also a post here uh, posted by Mike. Um, there's, you might have seen uh, this highlighted in the pre-race uh, information uh, on Sundays, but there's a driver, a little-known driver, L.W. White, uh, that uh, has came and went and vanished as quickly as he came in, uh, and uh, he is uh been discovered and so 
uh, I know Ray Hub is doing some things about that, and there's been some articles written about that as well. And Jay is now here. Uh, welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. I apologize. I did not catch the uh, the time change there that we were doing hot topics early tonight. So I apologize for being late. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew that was unusual for you, and and I didn't think you were catching on that it was uh, an early start. <laughs> so uh, I kind of put it in big letters there. But uh, okay, so uh, we are ready for hot topics here tonight. I think it's just going to be you and me, Jay. I didn't hear from. Uh, Tommy and I didn't hear from Owen or anybody else from the fan racing crew. So I think everybody's kind of got something going on here tonight. Um, but what, let's go to our first hot topic. Okay. Well, I heard you talking a little bit there about LW Wright. Um, is that, is that what you wanted to start with? Yeah, we can. I just uh, was trying to go through, I was going from the bottom up with, uh, what some of the hot topics on our list are. For tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's an interesting um, story, and I've I've heard little bits and pieces of this uh, before. Uh, I know Mike put it up. Uh, he likes to dig up these things and find these. Uh, it's certainly been interesting. Again, if you're a historian of NASCAR, um, to to look back at in his history and what the situation is with that, um, that nobody had ever heard of him. Um, but accepted him into racing, and then he kind of disappeared. Yeah, uh, I know that they've done some. Um, okay, Mike uh, put quite a few. I don't know how I'm going to put covered on here because we've got several all under the same thread. Um, uh, yeah, this was. I first saw this on a pre-race. Uh, coverage about this L.W. Wright, uh, and uh, I thought it was intriguing because he kind of was a con man. He, he uh, came up with, he got some people to sponsor him uh, and for this race. I forget where it was now, but it was for one race. Uh, he came and he raced. It was kind of obvious to everybody that he wasn't very skilled as a driver, <laughs> uh, but he was out there on the track, uh, and uh, uh, things kind of fell apart very quickly after that race. I think he ended up leaving the race. Uh, nobody ever talked to him. He ended up leaving the race and was never heard from again. And so I guess some of the journalists have kind of gotten together and tracked him down, and now um, – uh, they are uh, uh, they are going to uh, be talking to him and doing an interview with him. So uh, a very intriguing story that this guy was able to, first of all, get the sponsorship money and all the things, but he kind of did it. He wrote checks that turned out to be not good uh, for getting the, the entry fee to get into the race and uh, all kinds of things. Uh, it was a few weeks later that those checks were bouncing, um, and by that time, he was long gone. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, you don't hear about this a lot, um, and, and as we're thinking about that, if you think about the movie Days of Thunder, um, 
with Tom Cruise when they did that story, there was that subtle uh, storyline in it when Tom Cruise, uh, Cole Trickle, talked about his dad selling junk bonds in order to fund the team. Uh, we have seen some sponsorship deals here recently that have been iffy or uh, had some issues. Um, so it's not a huge thing, but it, it still does even happen even in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately it does. Uh, but this guy's been missing for 40 years. Uh, so uh, they did it. I guess that's on Scene Vault podcast. They did an interview with him. And uh, if you go on Twitter, you'll be able to hear that podcast of the interview that they did with this driver. So uh, for those that might have an interest in hearing about that conversation with this guy that's been missing for 40 years, uh, it might be intriguing to listen. It's always interesting to read about some of this, Uh, you know, again, especially for myself as kind of a not a full historian, but I do like to go back into the history books, uh, if you will, or find history on the Internet now. It's not actually into the history books, but to go back and look through some of this and understand, again, where the sport has been, where it comes from, and where we're at now um, to see that comparison. I enjoy doing that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always – it's it's part of the NASCAR history and uh yeah it's just a, an intriguing story um so the story of lw right uh, espn also has a write up about uh this driver uh and one of the longest uh, mysteries in nascar uh he raced let's see i just lost my place here um he got on Talladega speedway for 13 laps during the 1982 Winston 500. Um, and like I say, these people from Scene Vault uh, tracked him down and uh, did an interview with him. And uh, it's, all, it's all very interesting. So he only raced for 13 laps. It was obvious that uh, he wasn't really keeping up. So uh, uh, going to be interesting. Now, mixed in between here, and I'm not sure how this ties in. Do you know how this ties in, Jay? Um, Mike says supposedly this guy has the fire suit worn in the only confirmed picture of LW, uh, and it's the Jeff Gordon 24 replica DuPont NASCAR fire suit race uniform. It's a kid size seven uh, that he's selling, and that's part of how is that part of how they track him down. I was going to say, I think that is what sparked the the interest in finding him and and undigging the knowledge of who he was and how he ended up with that suit then. Uh, That's kind of what started the whole intrigue on on the situation with it. Ah, okay, okay. And then uh, somehow we've got the charter system under this same thing, so maybe we should go to that. after we okay. finish this, so that I can put covered for both of those topics. Yeah, I had put that did one you? up. Did I? Did I not get? Did I? I thought I had it as a separate, but maybe I put it in under the wrong. Yeah, you put it in under this thread, so yep. uh, okay, it makes it hard for me to cover it in here. 
Is there anything okay. that you more that you wanted to say about this uh, LW right thing? Uh, no, I, like I said, it is kind of an interesting story, and 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 like I said, I, I do see some similar things uh, in today's racing. Um, and then, like I said, it, the fact that it, it kind of t- t- or, uh, Days of Thunder kind of came to mind. So it's one of those storylines in it. You know, we think back to of even how the sport started in moonshining. You know, some people don't want to hear about that, but that was kind of the thing back in the day of the con man uh, type deal. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you can't ignore it. And like I said, I mean, it's it's a little bit different in today's world, but there's still some applicable things that can be learned from it. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the charter system could come into play this year or next year. All right, uh, the the one I put up there, uh, and I see uh, now where I got it underneath that one. Sorry about that, too. Um, several charters had changed hand before the 2022 season, um, which doesn't exempt them, though, from the minimum performance standard. Uh, essentially, that if you finish in the bottom three in points for three consecutive years, that NASCAR can take the charter away from you. And there's been a lot of changes of teams, and one of them being Rick Ware uh, had two of them. The one that they felt was more at risk, they had Corey LaJoy take over this year, and right now is in position to not be in the bottom three at the end of the year. Uh, he's currently, I believe, 28th, um, which would pull him out of that uh, risk situation. But what I think needs to be looked at is NASCAR has kind of allowed this manipulation of the rule by changing the charters and the teams that have them um, in order to prevent that from it being the same team for three years in a row. But with teams like Junior Motorsports that are looking for uh, a charter possibly, uh, I've got to throw that in there possibly, and other teams that we've we've talked about possibly expanding and that, that search for charters, I think NASCAR needs to take a look at this of if they want 36 competitive cup-level teams out there, that they might need to look at this and enforce that rule And because uh, we haven't seen it yet as that they took one away from them. Um, so whether or not we see that in the next couple of years. Okay, where they take a team and uh, NASCAR takes over the charter, you mean? You think that yeah, you whether or not they, they take a char- they take the charter away from a team uh, which obviously is not top competitive team. Okay, and right now that team that's vulnerable is Rick Rowe Racing. That is the most prevalent one. There are a couple that have been in and out. Uh, I know JTG. I think uh, scrolling down here was one of them that was mentioned, but right now they're sitting pretty good. Right. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, this is something that uh, NASCAR will need to take a look at. I would think uh, now that that has been uh, talked about, they'll, they'll provide some clarification if they're pressed for that. Um, but they haven't uh, – they have been pretty lenient with allowing teams to – and that was part of the deal, I think, when they – when they put this charter system together 
uh, it was to create value so that if the team did leave the sport, uh, that they would be able to sell their team and uh, have some value to it. Um, so we'll have to see. Uh, and it does make sense to me that NASCAR uh, would take over a charter if the team's underperforming uh, to the standards. NASCAR's Cup Series is an elite series, and the elite drivers uh, should be racing in this series. And teams uh, should be making progress as well uh, within the series. Uh, I think the days of having a team uh, in the series just to be in the series, uh, I think those days are over. They're looking for these teams to, to uh, perform. Unfortunately, though, somebody's going to have to be in the bottom three. Um, I do like that they say that it is uh, a team that has to be in the bottom three for three consecutive years uh, because somebody can have a bad year uh, but still recover, at, like you mentioned, Rick Ware with Corey LaJoy. Um, that team's made progress this year, and they're no longer in that position. Uh, so I think having to be three consecutive years is an important distinction, uh, and uh, we'll have to see if, if somebody is going to be affected. Do, do we have a team that's had two consecutive years that that is the most vulnerable to that happening? And again, are they still doing poorly this year? Well, like I said, the number seven uh, of what was the 77 of Rick Ware, but by transferring it to the number seven, they kind of reset that. Um, although it stays with the charter, the number seven head is a better opportunity because they have a full-time driver to improve upon that. So that's why they moved it over. And for fans to understand that, um, I don't know how, how to, basically you're giving it to a better team to try and improve and get them out of that three-year window. And then they get, if they lease the charter to the team, and I think back to, I believe it was, I'm trying to remember who leased theirs to the Wood Brothers um, for the first year that before they had a full-time charter. They knew that the Wood Brothers team would probably get them out of that top or the bottom of the bottom three um, for that year. Then they get the charter back and that uh, hits against it have been wiped out. So that's mm-hmm. where that whole trading the charter, leasing it for a year was I understand that there's so many layers to it because it does benefit them, but I'm trying to get all this in, in my head and straight. I understand the value of the charter system when they brought it forward. Again, I've never been a fan of locking teams into the top 36, but team owners had no retirement plan essentially is what it is. Mm-hmm. If they got out of racing, all they could do was sell off their equipment and it was normally uh, very little on the dollar as far as what they got in return partially because it is outdated. But uh, so I understand the concept and appreciate that. However, it's just like anything we talk about when it comes to racing, teams find a way to manipulate it. And that's what I don't like is, is how it's kind of been manipulated. Now, you made a very good point of it's not like a one and done, you know, if you can't perform here and now, you know, NASCAR said it's over the course of three years. Um, but the team should have to earn that themselves. Like I said, not lease it out to a top team 
get it back, and that's all been cleared out because of the performance of a better team. You need to improve your team. And, and like I said, now when we talk about GMS come in this year, uh, Trackhouse Racing, they have showed they want to be a top competitive team. They should be able to get a charter. And, and right now I'm going to just primarily use junior motorsports. Right now if they want to get in, they're having to pay – uh, I believe the last charters went for 10, $10 million and up, or that was the asking price. Uh, we saw that with Trackhouse. They just bought out a Chip Ganassi organization, mm-hmm. which then Ganassi got something in return. So that did work for everybody. Down here, it's not working as well, and especially if you're holding that charter, you can try and demand more than – I understand it fluctuates. The price fluctuates, but um, the value of a charter, I think, was overpriced at that point but that would put it in the window of how badly do you want to get in. And that's where I think NASCAR needs to control that of, hey, we want a top competitive team in versus one that's just out there holding on to it, uh, running in the back and holding on to it. And I think Rick Mm -hmm. Ware Racing realizes that. They have sold one of theirs, and they did make within their own team a move to improve it on their own. So I like the fact that they're trying to – they did it within their own team, I'll say that, So versus an outside team, um, and not that Hendrick would have traded, but trading it to Hendrick, have them bring it up in, in, in points and then get it back so that they didn't have to. Right, right. Um, and I would say if, if NASCAR, apparently NASCAR doesn't have a problem with it, so I don't know that it's an overlooked rule. Um I think this is just something that I understand what you're saying, but NASCAR hasn't changed the rule. Uh, And I think if they saw a problem with it, they would change the rule Um, and, uh, you know, do something different. Um, But, again, I think the rules are in place uh, because they want to improve those teams. And I think if you're selling the team – uh, leasing the team for a year uh, to give it a chance to do better. I think, you know, when you get it back, it's their responsibility to make sure that that car is doing better. Um, they should be learning from that experience. So I think that's why NASCAR is maybe being lenient with that uh, because they're allowing them the learning curve of what they need to do to be more competitive within the sport. Um, so I, I know this article deems it as an overlooked rule, uh, but I think it's it's just something that uh, um, NASCAR has allowed to happen uh, as this. How long has the charter system been in place now? Uh, I want to say we're coming up on six, maybe seven years that the the way the charter system has been uh, in play. Um, coming up on mm-hmm. that, it's uh, at least five years. And I think some teams have kind of weeded out, if you will, because they could not be, they could not perform, and they they ended up leaving NASCAR. And new teams now have come into the sport. And I think that's that's a sign of a very healthy system. So I, I really think that if they give it a 10-year window, let's say, uh, for this 
what you're, you're terming as a manipulation of the system. Uh, but to me, NASCAR has left the system open for a purpose to allow these teams to go through that learning curve and then get back on board with uh, improving uh, their team. Uh, at some point, yeah, I could see them saying, okay, we've given you a 10-year window, let's say, to, to – to get your team on board and competitive as a as a member of the premier series of the sport, uh, but now we've got to kind of turn that faucet off and uh, make some adjustments to the to the process. I don't see it as an overlooked rule. I think NASCAR is purposefully leaving that window open to give these teams a chance to go through that learning curve. Just just yeah. a perspective on it. You're right. That that article, particularly, like you said, said overlooked. I don't know that it was overlooked. It wasn't necessary to take a hard look at it in the past because we didn't have the teams coming in that we have. And and you pointed it Mm -hmm. out. uh, Starcom Racing was one of them. And that one is the one that went to Team 2311. Uh, Derek Mm -hmm. Cope and that team, the Starcom team, said, okay, we know we're not competitive. There's an opportunity for a team like uh, 2311 to, to take it if we, if we sell it out and have a more competitive sport. Um, and they decided it was their time to get out. They weren't making the improvements mm-hmm. or whatever the decision was that they were getting out. So there, there's parts to both of it. I think NASCAR maybe does need to look at, and I say reevaluate, uh, like I said, they haven't had mm-hmm. to been in the position where it was really that necessary to enforce it. Um, but I think now, especially we're talking about junior motorsports and some of these other teams trying to get in and it doesn't seem like they can, or it's costing them too much to get said charter, um, to get in that NASCAR needs to maybe look at reevaluating it and again, put a stop. Like I said, with what Rick Ware racing is doing with the number seven, they are doing it within their own organization. I like that. And you're right. I, Mm -hmm. I like the three year of letting the team, if they are so choosing and trying to give them that opportunity to build themselves up. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to see it of uh, you got one year, do it, or, or you're out. I, I don't want to see that either. You know, we got to find the, find the balance. And I think it needs to come back a little bit, but I don't want to see them go take it away. Uh, I can tell you this up front. I, as much as I would like to see junior motorsports at the cup level, if they choose to go that route, um, to be there, but I don't want to see NASCAR just say, okay, we're going to find a way to get you a charter and take it from somebody and give it to junior motorsports because I don't think that's right either. Um, So like I said, there's a balance there. I just think it needs to maybe be looked at and reevaluated again, tweaked, not, not changed or taken away, but tweaked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I I think that uh, it was, it was okay to leave it open. Uh, for manipulation, if you will, uh, during the first uh, part of this uh, system. But uh, you're right. At some point, they do need to take a look at it and reevaluate what's best for the health of the sport. So uh, I couldn't agree more. Anything else that you wanted to say there? Because 
Uh, not on this one. I was trying to think somewhere up. I thought we had another one that kind of tied into it, but uh, if you got one you want to go to, uh, go ahead. I'm going to look and see where I can find what uh, what I had here for that. Well, again, you know, this happens, and I heard it on SiriusXM today, too. Uh, people calling in saying start time should be earlier uh, than, you know, or they should, you know, when they know weather is in the area, why don't they have an earlier start time? And, you know, it comes up every time we have a weather delay. <laughs> and I don't know if it's new fans that are that are bringing it up each time, but there's a reason why NASCAR has the start times that they have. Um, and I don't know, again, I feel like this source uh, a lot of times – raises things in a way uh, that causes people to click on it. But when you look at it, it really isn't that big of a story. Um, This one says NASCAR is accused of hypocrisy over the Dover decision. Um, NASCAR abandoned the early afternoon Cup Series races on Sunday, so naturally how Sunday's race had uh, transpired left many disgruntled. Uh, again, I think people don't understand the logistics behind scheduling a lot of these races and that you've got to have it at a time that is going to be conducive for viewers, not just on the East Coast, but on the West Coast as well. Uh, a 12 o'clock start time, which is what this one was, uh, means that people on the West Coast are watching, uh, you know, three hours earlier. So three hours earlier is is an eight o'clock start or a nine o'clock start. Uh, you're asking people on the west coast to watch this race at nine o'clock in the morning. So um, I, I think NASCAR. <laughs> I, I don't think you can go any earlier than that. Is what I'm trying to get at. You, what you hit on there that that I, I'd like to go with is you're right that somebody that gets a hold of this and wants to point out one particular aspect of it isn't looking at the full picture and all Correct. the pl- things that come into play. The other thing that comes into play is the television viewership, like you said, of, of from the West Coast if they're watching it. Um, you know, and you want to say why does that matter? Because that's where the majority of the money t- comes from. We talked about that. Uh, on Monday, uh, Thursday night, I think I think it was. So there are so many things that come into play, and NASCAR tries to balance that. Yes, rainouts aren't good for anybody, uh, you know. Uh, and I, I go through this when it when it comes to the dirt track racing and making that call of when to call it off or how soon or how quickly. You know, rainouts aren't good for anybody that's involved in the sport. So the, you know. And from what I heard, the, the weather really wasn't even radar projected when it comes to that. If NASCAR does see it coming, they either bump up the start time if they can. Um, again, they got to work with, like you mentioned, the television um, time slot. Um, they will try to do what they can to avoid that. Yes, for the fans that came and can't stay over till Monday, that is a pain. For the teams, it's a pain. I, I heard uh, you talk about Sirius XM Radio, uh, Dave Moody and mm-hmm. Alex Hayden, I think it was, of 
they weren't expecting any kind of delay like that. That's, that's Alex is the one that was talking about, you know, there was no indication of it. They didn't have rooms booked. So when they got uh, delayed, you know, they got to find a hotel room. And Alex was talking about uh, rooming with uh, Dave Moody. Uh, and I won't go into all that. You can go back and listen to it uh, on the uh, podcast, the Sirius XM Speedway. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's impactful to everybody and as a hassle. Like I said, NASCAR is aware of it. They've they've tried to go to a standard start time. Um, if they see something, they know they want to get the whole race in, or at least to projected to halfway for the fans that are at the track. You know, that's again a, a big portion. But the television viewership is also a big par- part of it, and that mm-hmm. carries over to what you were talking about with the West Coast. You know, um, of them having to then be up at. at or being in the nine nine a.m. Uh, time window, so they got to look at the entire big picture before I think they start nitpicking. And to me, it goes back to the some people, and I said I'll use the word fans loosely, but just want to find something to complain about and pick apart. I think so. Uh, you know, the racers have been starting at like two thirty or three thirty in the afternoon. Uh, this particular race was started earlier because it's at Dover Motor Speedway, and they don't have lights. So NASCAR already made the effort to try to start this race earlier uh, so that they could get the whole race in and that, uh, you know, the, the daylight would not be an issue. Uh, and if it is delayed, they can go a little bit longer now that we're into longer daylight days. Uh, but uh, I think NASCAR already made that effort to start this race a lot earlier, uh, just keeping in mind that, um, uh, you know, they don't have lights at Dover. I think maybe more of the issue, because I also did read uh, that uh, had Dover had lights, they maybe could have gotten the race in later in the day uh, because the weather did clear and they could have dried the track and they maybe could have run that race if Dover had lights. So to me, I think more of the issue is what would it take uh, to put lights up at Dover so that if there is a weather thing that comes up like what happened this weekend, uh, they maybe could still handle the race on Sunday versus postponing it into Monday. You know, Sharon, you brought up a very excellent point there, even for myself, of not having all the pieces. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought about that, of tracks that don't have lights. That does come into play, and NASCAR does try to start it where they have a window. If it runs long, they have any kind of delay, whether it be weather, red flag, whatever, that they got a little bit of window before they lose the track due to darkness. We saw that at Martinsville a few a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Dover... Dover does have the uh, with a one mile track, and I know we got mile and a half tracks that are lit. But again, that's not cheap to just up and light a track. Um, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that that is something that, that again, like I said, even when you said it, I was like, man, I hadn't even thought about that. How that comes into play at different tracks. So that's where I say people need to get you know think it through and get the entire full picture and understand what NASCAR is dealing with. Um, it's not meeting just the fan, specifically even one person's fan or uh, opinion on it, but mass majority, and then all the different components that go into it. 
Uh, I think overall they do do a good job. Like I said, we've seen it. Even if they can push up driver introductions and the pre-race stuff Mm -hmm. by 15 minutes, a half hour, you know, they do what they can. And that starts with for the fans at the track, because I know that those are the ones that are going to be most impacted, obviously, if they can't stay over, as well as I mentioned, the teams and everybody else that's involved with having to stay over and, and stay that extra day, you know, the impact it has on the teams. You're talking about now you're losing a day at the shop and travel time to get ready for the next weekend. Uh, this, this happens to be Darlington, a little bit closer, not as big an issue. But when you're talking about, say, West Coast races, if they stay over till Monday, you know, that puts them behind by a day, and that's a huge factor. So, again, it's not like they just like, oh, we don't, we don't care. We're just going to do it on Monday. No. I mean, they, you know, they know it impacts a lot of different things. And that's an outstanding point because nobody really wants to delay the race into the next day. Because, it, like you say, it just throws everybody's completely out of whack and uh, becomes a hassle. So uh, if they can get it in on race day, they're going to try to do it. And I think at Dover, you know, they already had the race earlier than what they've been having a lot of these races. And, you know, they just ran into weather that was unforeseen. So it was just one of those things. They did the best they could with the situation that they had at hand. And I think NASCAR typically does that. They do the best they can with the situation that they have at hand. So I think we got to give them a little bit of slack here. <laughs> even and even just just now, another thought popped into my head: the difference in the tracks. Uh, Dover being concrete, one of the ones that's mm-hmm. easier and quicker to dry um, if they do have any kind of rain. You know that comes into into play as far as and they got statistics. As, you know where's Owen? He's got the analytics, I'm sure, of mm-hmm. how long each track typically. And I say typically takes to dry and get back to race ready. So that comes into play as well. Yes, it does. So, uh, again, I think a lot of times fans don't have the bigger picture uh, in mind when they are saying some of these things. And I just find it especially baffling uh, for this particular race that this has come up because because it was already earlier than – most races, um, and NASCAR had already done everything that they could do to avoid the situation. Um, so it's just interesting to me that this is even a topic. Well, and I know uh, I, I think I did. did I know did. a lot of people were talking about it. Yeah, well, and it, again, it's I say it's like they couldn't find anything else to complain about. But there are some things, and there again, I think of Atlanta, Dover. We talk about it as far as this time of year in the southeast, the, the pop-up showers or whatever. Uh, I think it was somebody, I don't, I don't want to misquote, so I'll just say somebody as a representative from Dover Motorsport did say they want to try and look at um, a different date, um, maybe not as early in the spring. And I think back to Atlanta struggled with that when they lost their one race because they struggled with a spring date due to weather and then fan attendance. Um, but the representative from Dover said, I understand NASCAR's schedule and logistics. It's not like they can just say, okay, we'll move you to this weekend. So again, they're understanding. They've brought it to NASCAR and say, hey, can we maybe get a different date that we don't have as much risk as far as weather? 
So, again, they're all trying to work together for the best of the entire sport. i tell you what, logistics is not an easy thing to work out. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of planning in order to make the logistics of these things work. And when you think about NASCAR having 36 races a year for the NASCAR Cup Series, and that's just one series, uh, that's not taking into consideration what they have to put together for the Xfinity Series, the Camping World Truck Series, and all of the Arkham and Art Series races. So um, it, it's, it's, they've got a lot on their hands uh, logistically to work out, and I think they do a good job, all things considered. Uh, most certainly I would have to agree with that. Okay, what's our next topic, Jay? Let's scroll up. Uh, We'll we'll have to play this one real carefully. Uh, Denny Hamlin was required to do sensitivity training and must start immediately. Uh, I know we had this one up already on Thursday. We just didn't get to it. He was required to start the sensitivity training prior to the race this weekend, or he was going to be sat out of the race. Um, For a tweet he made following the Talladega race, and I did do a little more looking into this. Uh, I know Mike initially is the one that kind of said something about it. Uh, following the Talladega tw- uh, race, Denny Hamlin had a tweet that went out. It was a clip from Family Guy that had a female Asian driver, and Denny Hamlin used that to make a reference to Kyle Larson's move at the end of the Talladega race. Um, Mm -hmm. that's what, what the original tweet was. Now, since then, uh, Denny Hamlin has started the training and I saw several interviews where, you know, he said he's got no problem with it, with NASCAR and and them requiring it. He admitted his, you know, he saw it, he thought it was funny. He posted it. He understands that maybe it wasn't a little bad taste. Um, and so wasn't fighting the issue and, and has apologized and understands NASCAR's position. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, I noted, too, that Kyle Larson uh, did a video, and he said he had he understood that Denny Hamlin was doing that as a joke. Uh, he did not personally take offense at the joke. He thought it was kind of funny. But um, he said that he knows there are millions of other Asians, though, that could look at that and be offended, and he's right about that. There are... So many other people who we were just talking about, sometimes new fans that come into the sport don't have the full context of what's happening and what it takes to put the logistics of some of these races into place. And, and, you know, a casual Asian person could look at that. Uh, Not that the person is casually Asian. They're, They're more than casually Asian, but they may be a casual fan. Um, may look at that and and be offended by it. Um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of Polish jokes in Chicago because there are more Polish people in Chicago than there are in Warsaw, Poland. So uh, you have to be very – that's what sensitivity training is all about. Sometimes we all do things that we look at later and think, 
yeah, I can see where somebody might have been offended. I didn't intend it that way, um, but I can see where some somebody might take offense to, you know, this particular joke or whatever. Uh, and that's what sensitivity training is all about, creating that awareness that some of the things that we do and say uh, can be offensive to others. And um, it's raising the awareness bar, if you will, uh, by asking people to go through sensitivity training so that they can avoid making those kinds of mistakes again in the future. Denny had no problem with it. Kyle Larson had no problem with it. But they both acknowledged that it could definitely be something that's offensive uh, to millions of others uh, that are of Asian descent. So it is important that Denny Hamlin go through this training, in my opinion. Okay, what do you Well, I am, not, I am not going to, uh, to read. Uh, Sharon, I'm sure, uh, I don't know if you read through all of Mike's. Yeah, Mike I did. was very fired, uh, very fired up about this, and I partially agree with him. I don't, I don't take such a hardcore line as what, what he has, but I, I do – partially understand again this seems to be to be a a societal change of people just want to harp on things um and i think a a couple of situations that have popped into my head go back to fuzzy neller and tiger woods when tiger ones i think i don't know if it was his first masters win said something about he's as the champion he gets to choose what's served at the dinner the next year or whatever and made a comment okay yeah was it maybe a little inappropriate Okay, but Tiger didn't think nothing of it. Just like you said here, Kyle Larson didn't take anything from it. Um, It was a joke. It was not intended as a derogatory, malicious, you know, attack. It was just kind of a joke. And and thinking about it, as I found out more about it, um, it's kind of twofold because it happened to also be a female uh, driver Mm -hmm. that was. So you could have your female drivers that take offense (laughs) to it. So. True. I understand True. where NASCAR is coming from as a corporation, and and Mike and I talked about this. You know, in the military, we had to be real careful about this. But there is also the uh, how do I say this concept of uh, take it for what it is of just a joke of humor. You mentioned right. okay, and I grew up with them. Think about this. I you know the more I thought about this, Jeff Fox, where they made millions off of you know he <laughs> might be a redneck if. You're telling me that wasn't offensive to some people? Okay, but that's exactly yeah, what sure it is, was. just humor and entertainment, okay? Um, and I don't feel it was anything in a per, you know direct derogatory attack. Now, uh, like I said, and just as Danny did, said, okay, yeah, go to the sensitivity training, be aware of it. I don't know that it needed to be withheld to the possibility of suspension, but – or a major punishment, but just say, hey, be more aware of it. I, I understand that, but I also think people as a whole need to be able to take a joke. I, I mean, you think back of any joke you can think of off the top of your head, somebody is going to be offended by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I see Mike's point in that. Yeah, we have kind of uh, taken it to a new level uh, of you know, just about everything we do anymore uh, could offend somebody. Um, and and sometimes it's just lighthearted humor. Uh, so 
again, there should, I, I sometimes think there should be sensitivity training on the other side, too, uh, that to recognize when somebody's doing something as a lighthearted joke and not with an intent to be um, disparaging of someone. Um, but, um, again, the sensitivity training is important. Uh, I'm glad NASCAR did it. I, I see their point of view. I see. I, I do see where Mike is coming from. Uh, I'm not as vehement about it as he is. Uh, I'm kind of in the same vein as you are. I can see both sides of this. And, yes, we have taken it to a whole new level, but it is the world that we are living in today. We're not living in the world of the 1950s. Uh, and and. It is a progression. It is an evolution of our society. Uh, and so um, I do think that there, we, we, we do need to be more sensitive about things, but I agree that sometimes we have to take a lighthearted joke for exactly what it is, a lighthearted joke. Now, if he was – here's the thing, though. Was it a lighthearted joke with – Kyle Larson. I'm sure, I'm sure Denny Hamlin meant it that way, but he could have just as easily been very angry with Kyle Larson for driving across the lanes, and he might have used humor as his way to express that, but there might have been some uh, feelings of being upset about what, Kyle, what happened with Kyle Larson at the track, too. Um, so I think what is so hard, especially when we're talking about the written word versus somebody seeing somebody and communicating face-to-face, is sometimes it's hard to tell, are they mad when they're putting this together, or is it just a lighthearted joke? Sometimes you can tell, sometimes you can't. Yeah, and there's a couple of things of me personally that I've dealt with. One of them being in the military, uh, I said something to a supervisor about being bald. My supervisor came to me. I had to go apologize. The one I said it to had no problem with it. Um, he wasn't offended by it. He didn't take anything you know disrespectful from it. Um, but the supervisor that my supervisor who overheard it again had to do her job and say, hey, you got to be careful, okay? So, like you said, I understand it, but a lot of it comes down to, okay, in this case, if Kyle Larson were the one offended, then I can see where there's an issue. Now, I understand, like mm-hmm. you said, of, of new fans coming in, especially if we're talking about Asian fans, okay, well, we don't want to be involved in NASCAR. They're against uh, Asians, okay? That, you know, and, and I don't think by any means did uh, Denny Hamlin have that intent. You know, right. <laughs> excuse me. And you could have picked every, every, especially when it comes to the super speedway racing, pick any driver out there. You know, Ross Chastain's been known to be aggressive. Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, think about how many people attack Ricky Stenhouse when it comes to causing wrecks in a super speedway mm-hmm. race because they're being aggressive, made a bad move. Brad Keselowski, another one. So that's where I said you, you got to kind of see, you know, understand you could have picked any driver out there and, and said something about how they drove or a mistake they made in that race or a bad move, whatever. Um, the other one I, that I personally dealt with um, was uh, my brother-in-law is a farmer, and it had to do with the uh, chickens going to the chicken plant 
They're going in to be slaughtered. PETA is upset because these chickens are sitting in a truck to go into the slaughterhouse for too long in the heat in a truck outside. They're going in to be slaughtered. You know, what does it matter if they get a little hot prior to that? So that's where I think certain people and organizations like that want to take it to an extreme just to have a cause and cause controversy and ruckus. Well, you know, it brings awareness um, to their cause. Right, exactly. You know, we just want to have a cause and we're going to make it this. So now, like I said, do I go into Denny Hamlin saying, hey, you know, that was kind of distasteful. It might um, turn off some of our viewers. Let's talk about it. Absolutely, no problem. Denny Hamlin said, I, you're right. I, I got no problem with that. But mm-hmm. it also, on the other hand, like I said, of can you tell any kind of joke anymore then because somewhere somebody could be offended by it. Right, right. And I get that. I get the frustration with that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, everybody uh, handled it well, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, uh, I, you know, my brother and I talked about it. We were saying, even if the windows were blacked out and you couldn't see if it was a male or a female driver, you couldn't see the nationality of the driver, uh, if they could have blacked out the windows and put that out there, uh, I don't see where anybody could have been offended by it. You know what I'm saying? So the awareness allows you to maybe think of doing something like that. Uh, maybe with some of the jokes. You know what I'm saying? Well, in, in that particular case, you're right. That, that would have been, of you're right, to actually take the the that part of it out of it. I, I think, too, now, the more I think about this, I listened to uh, Joel Osteen, a preacher out of Houston. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he's got multiple mm-hmm. books out and runs a big church down there. You know, he starts every, every uh, sermon with a joke whether it be a blonde joke, uh, a lot of times it does have to do with his wife or female. So, you know, like I said, I mean, you can attack and find fault or be offended by anything you want, but is it really a big issue? No. Does certain things need to be addressed? Absolutely. Like you said, it is an evolution and understanding um, of different things. Um, To be more aware of it, I got no issue with that. Right. If he had sent that joke privately to to Kyle, that would have been one thing. But he sent it publicly. And it's that public nature of what he did uh, that others could see it and maybe be offended by it. And I think that's that's where uh, the sensitivity training comes in and the awareness. And that's true, too, and that may be why we have more of that in this day and age because of the, you said, the the platform you can reach um, by your social media, um, that the outreach it has and the impact it can have then, even against, like we said, NASCAR, of if they're trying to pull in more viewers, they're saying, hey, this could affect our our, uh, viewership, uh, not just you, you you and Kyle, yeah. Exactly. So that's... That's where I think a lot of this comes in. Uh, and like I say, if he had sent it privately, let's say a text message or whatever, and he sent it to Kyle Larson individually, I don't think Kyle would have had a problem with it, according to what he said uh, so far. So um, it was the public nature of it 
that uh, I think created the issue. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to another another uh, topic here. Uh, I think we the only one. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I don't know that I see any that we haven't. Uh... That other one, I know we talked about, kind of, we had tied this one in. Uh, Mike's got another one up as far as the, says NASCAR tracks wel- welcoming more fans this season. I know we tied that in the other night um, from Matt, yeah. if we want to talk a little bit more about that. But we see the increase in fan attendance anyway at the track. Okay, I'm going to uh, go ahead and do our announcement real quick, and then we'll get into that. Uh, at this all time right. of the night, we usually make an announcement to all of our new listeners uh, that are tuning in for the first time. We're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but we will continue our conversation and we'll record that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So what I'll do is I'll go out on uh, social media, Twitter specifically, to let you know that the podcast is available and at that point, you can go to our player located on our website, com, and just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. Um, and I just don't like our new listeners to be caught off guard with us going off air while we're still talking uh, and not know how to hear uh, the rest of that conversation. So we do this announcement every, every radio show. Uh, at this point, just to, to make sure everybody knows uh, how they can hear the rest of the uh, conversation here on our Hot Topic Sound Off. Okay, with that, Jay, um, uh, they're talking about uh, the good news is uh, that we're seeing more people um, uh, at the racetrack this year, and especially, uh, you know, the cup races, but also at some of the uh, Xfinity and, and uh, Camping World Truck Series races. And I do think that NASCAR is doing a better job of promoting uh, the races. I know Mike brought it up a few weeks ago uh, and kind of poking fun at it a little bit that NASCAR was advertising itself during the races. And I, I really think it's a good idea that they're doing that because they're encouraging people. They're telling people about upcoming races and where they can go to get tickets uh, to go to those races. And think about it. If I'm a casual fan and I'm watching this, I just happened to this race on TV, and I'm thinking, wow, it'd be really cool to go to a race uh, as a casual fan who's maybe tuning in for the first time, I might not know where to go to buy tickets. Uh, so the fact that NASCAR is putting that out there during the races, this is where you can go to get tickets uh, for the race at Kansas Speedway that's coming up in a few weeks. I think that's all great, and I think that that promotion uh, that they're doing during the races uh, is maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing better attendance at a lot of these races. Fans know where to go to get those tickets now. Okay. This this is one of those where uh, I see so many different pieces, and I don't know that you can put your finger or thumb on one particular. You mentioned the advertising, even within their own race. Um, like you said, you know, Mike brought that up of, of it bothers him. 
but yeah, I do think it is a good thing. Um, uh, as you mentioned, if somebody flips in for that one race, they're seeing about the next one, how to get tickets. Uh, but also, you got the next-gen car. We have seen some great parody, some different names running up front, if not mm-hmm. winning. Uh, we've seen Ross Chastain, Trackhouse Racing, winning races. So you're not seeing the powerhouse teams of Joe Gibbs Racing or, or Hendrick Motorsports. I say dominating, but now Hendrick Motorsports has every, every one of their four drivers still picking up a victory. So that could mm-hmm. be a factor. Uh, we're coming out of the, the COVID and the pandemic to a degree, little by yes. little. So there are so many aspects to this. Um, I don't know that you can point it at one particular thing. Uh, in this particular case, this one was saying, uh, the, or Mike uh, responded to it with, they need to do a better, me- uh, better job with their digital and social media platforms. Uh, and they are, but then he doesn't like how, where and how they're doing it. Um, but that's just one aspect to it. There are so many things, and that's the reason NASCAR went to this next-gen car, make it more competitive, make it available to more teams, and get the variety. So, um, And that's going to lure in other manufacturers, which is going to bring in another particular fan base, uh, I'm sure, or anti-fan base in, in certain cases. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, there is so many. Again, it's not you can't just do one thing. And when the results come in, positive results, yeah, you want to try and figure out where and how that's coming from so you can keep it up or improve on it. But you also can't then leave the focus off of some other things that I think it may be pertaining to. Um, You know, personally, I think right now, I think it is the coming out of the COVID is the biggest thing that we're battling. Um, At least I would say a major percentage of it is that – recovering from the, from the COVID. But I think the parity and competition we're seeing on the track, another big chunk of it. To me, I think the social media portion is probably the smaller portion, but is very important. I, again, I would not not do it, like Mike said, of you got to do it and, and capitalize in that avenue um, so you can't just not focus on it. Yeah, uh, and and you know it's it's going to be interesting. I I do see them doing things on social media. I'm not sure what more they could be doing uh, because a lot of times I'll see uh, NASCAR putting out a promotion of upcoming races, and and in those promotions, your tickets, um, the conversation sometimes. Uh, that uh, the water cooler conversations that take place after a race uh, sometimes will attract people as well. So um, I, I just think that, uh, uh, again, uh, there's a, you brought up some good points. The fact that we're coming out of the COVID restrictions uh, and fans can now get out and do things and, and be a part of things that we've missed doing. Uh, I think uh, that definitely is contributing uh, to the increases in attendance that we're seeing. But we're not just seeing it uh, at the track. We're also seeing it at home with the television viewing. Uh, That's been up uh, a little bit, too. Uh, Now, I did bring up last week, I think it was slightly lower. And I think part of the reason why it might have been slightly lower is because more people are are not at home watching it on the TV. They're not at the track watching it at the track. 
So, again, it's a little bit of a wash there uh, as far as viewership uh, for that 1%, I think it was, was uh, the decline. I, I think that uh, that can be accounted for. I, I think the health of the sport is very good. The gen, uh, the next-gen car is, is certainly giving us more parity at the track. We're seeing uh, a lot of new drivers winning. Ross Chastain, uh, a lot of people are watching him. He's gaining a lot of fans uh, by getting the two wins that he's gotten for track house racing. Uh, a lot of exposure has been given to track out tracing as a result of that. People love the stories behind the scenes. And I think that's, that's part of what is attracting people too, is they're learning more about it as well. Okay. Uh, okay. Jay's telling me he just got booted off the show. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Unless Jay, uh, if you want me to represent you uh, and your comments, um, I'll, I'll let him know that I can do that very quickly here. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to uh, see if there's anything that he wants me to say uh, that might represent his thoughts here. But, uh, yeah, if uh, he doesn't get back to me, we'll go ahead and close this out. Uh, but first of all, I want to let people know in the meantime, waiting for a response from Jay, uh, that we had an interview earlier in the show during the second half hour of the show with Christian Rhodes who is racing with uh, Cook Racing Technologies uh, and driving the number 42 car in the ARCA East Series um, this season. He drove at uh, Dover uh, Motors past uh, Friday and came home with a 10th place finish. He also uh, has uh, done a really good job um, all season long. He's fourth in the series point standings in the ARCA East. He is planning to race in the Arkham Menard Series at Nashville Fairground Speedway this coming weekend, again in that um, number 42 car. So for Cook Racing Technology, his uh, sponsor is Visit uh, West Virginia, and uh, the West Virginia Tourism uh, is a big part of his sponsorship. So uh, look for his car this weekend, but uh, take a listen to the interview we had with him earlier in the show. It was uh, interesting, and uh, it gave us a chance to learn more about Christian Rose. Okay, so, uh, Jay is saying that he already hit on the main point, so uh, he's pretty much done here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell the listeners uh, for tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to hear what we have to say, whether it's a podcast our live broadcast or the podcast, uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to tune in. <clears throat> uh, and uh, a thank you to our fan racing crew tonight. That's Sal Segala, co-host for the first 90 minutes, and Jay Huseman, who is here for Hot Topic Sound Off here tonight. So uh, with that, 
Uh, I think uh, we're ready to call it a night. And we'll be back on Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. time. Uh, and uh, look forward to uh, talking about the upcoming races uh, coming up this weekend. Good night, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.